TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to the Two Guys and a Mic Show, brand new week off and running here on a beautiful, beautiful Monday in the fine city of Chicago. It's the coach and the big dog at your service right up until 11 o'clock. Lots of sports to talk about over the weekend. We did have the uh, hoisting of the Claret Jug, one of my favorite trophies in all of sports. A lot of baseball action to talk about. Uh, last time I checked, no Chicago Blackhawk players were traded. That made for a pretty good weekend, and uh, we, of course... As we always do here on the Two Guys in a Mic Show, we will give you stage-to-stage stage coverage of the Tour de France. What was your favorite stage over the weekend? What was your favorite stage of the 14 stages thus far? Again, the coach and the big dog are with you uh, up until 11 o'clock. And our phone number, if you want to join us, I know I can't speak for my uh, for the big dog. But for myself, we always enjoy the three-way. So you want to call it and make it 3 888 48, Big Dog checking in from Aurora, Illinois, via the phone lines. Joe, how are you, my friend? Uh, Coach, I'm doing absolutely fantastic, and believe it or not, I am all over the place. So it's not just Aurora today. It's, I'm actually, you know, international Big Dog as we speak because it's, it's plane, trains, and automobiles for me. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Well, isn't it with you? Last time we checked, you didn't have an automobile, so isn't it? Planes, trains, automobiles. So maybe it's just planes, and I mean it's not planes either. So it's just bicycle and train. I guess okay. that's what that, put it. That's why I got confused. I thought it was going to be planes, trains, automobiles, and bicycles. You're a long time bicycle guy, not quite of Tour de France expertise, but uh, you can get hit this weekend. I, I did read in the paper that it's been a bit of a problem this summer with bicyclists getting hit by cars. Uh, coach, and I'm going to have to agree with that. It's one of the most frustrating things ever because everywhere I go, I have to like duck people. I have to. People are almost trying to run me over. I've almost been hit at least ten times this particular summer. Have been hit once and hit a car myself. So that's two really bad accidents in one summer. There is a video game. That's one. No, I'm not going to make that comment. There's a, a video game apparently out there that you score points for hitting bicyclists. Yeah, I know. I, I, as a as an avid bicyclist, I, I'm really not very happy about that particular game. By the way, I mean, are they encouraging this type of stuff? Like what? Grand Theft Auto, I understand, Coach. They're encouraging people to actually steal cars, mm-hmm. you know, sell drugs, run prostitutes. You know that I can understand. That's the old American way. But to actually encourage <laughs> people to like hit somebody on a bicycle—that's just downright mean. Man. Uh, there was a story, I believe, in today's uh, local Chicago Tribune. As we know, we we read all the free papers. It gets confusing here, Big Dog, uh, including the Daily Herald, by the way, which always gives you the big picture and local focus. Thank you very much. But uh, a story of a couple of guys who did not receive a jail sentence, but probation only, in bicyclists across America. I think that's called uh, the organization is called. Ah, bicyclists across America, BAA, very upset with that because these two guys uh, were drinking a little bit and apparently played a game live version where you bump a bicyclist and they thought that would be funny. They knocked one guy about 15, 20 miles an hour and then about two miles down the road they got another guy. So the video game uh, hath come to fruition. 
Oh, you see, I don't need to hear stuff like that. Because seriously, mm. if I get bumped, I will end up beating somebody up, and it'll probably be like an an old, you know, Chinese lady who didn't know how to drive in the first fight. I would have thought maybe she was playing the game and was being mean. You know what I mean? So I wish you wouldn't have told me that, Coach. <laughs> maybe you should be a member of uh, Bicyclists Across America. Well, I'm hopefully one day I'll be part of Motorists in Aurora. That's that's what I'm really hoping. That's, that's MIA, yeah. by the way. You do need a vehicle, no question about that. We might take, uh, you know, we're going to adopt the charitable group each month. You might be our first uh, charitable organization we're going to support. Uh, Coach, I'm hoping to work my way out of needing charity. I really am. I'm doing the best I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you knew the amount of work I'm going through this particular day, people's mouths will drop. They'll be like, there's no way a human being can do all that in one day. And somehow I'm going to figure out how to do it. And the problem is you're doing all that work and you're keeping so busy. What's the old expression? Never confuse activity with what's Johnny oh, yeah, Wood yeah, yeah. with production, uh, right? With, with accomplishment. Yes. Never confuse activity with accomplishment. You're busy, busy, busy working 14 hours a day and still the paycheck, uh, not doing all that well. No, 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 no. But you know what? I'm, I'm figuring it out, coach. I keep, you know what? Good things are going to happen. If I keep on sticking to it, keep my nose to the grindstone, eventually somebody will give me a dollar eventually. We are certainly hoping so, and I am a firm believer in that philosophy. Good luck comes to uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, but the key is you prepared, my friend. The opportunity will be right around the corner. Well, I, I, seriously, Coach, I mean, it's funny that we call you Coach because you are one, but you're, you're using these John Wooden and, and Vince Lombardi uh-huh. quotes. Or is it John Lombardi that you've been quoting? No, I'm not I don't sure. Know. Two of the best of the biz, Johnny Wooden, of course, who tragically, but not tragically, but sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Vinnie Lombardi, two of the best of the business. You would have been proud of me over the weekend, big dog. Coach to ball club. Now, this is impressive. Uh-huh. David David Olson's got all kind of technical problems over there. Take note, David. I lived up to the coach's namesake Okay. over the uh, weekend. Put a team together in a fairly competitive tournament, and our team name was First Time. And it was basically it was because the first time these kids ever played together. We pulled a couple kids from here, a couple kids from here, my son, a couple kids from here, a couple kids. Never played together. Uh-huh. We were introducing ourselves in the layup line before the game, Big Dog. 6-0 yeah. and over the weekend, tournament championship. I coached him up like a maniac. Okay. Well, that's uh, you should be proud of yourself. Never played before? Maybe that's the best thing because sometimes, you know, like when you're early on, you, you'll be more of like – when you're early on in a team, you be more maybe to pass the guy, mm-hmm. be open. You know, when you find out that that one guy is bad, you're probably less likely to actually pass him the ball. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is it's the basketball version of ignorance is bliss. Yeah. What that's you, the best way for me to say. So yeah. I'm just trying to knock you down a peg. Yeah. Well, you could feel free to knock me down a couple of pegs because I deserve to be. But uh, these guys are. Some of these guys were pretty highly touted players with big reputations, and uh, you would be very proud of me. We we took them in the hallway away from everybody else. And uh, we, we brought him to basketball school for about 20 minutes and taught him the right That's way good. to play the game. Yeah, it was very impressive. Thank you very much. But um, we heard you had a few adventures before we talked to British Open and baseball. You had more than a few adventures over the weekend, including, ladies and gentlemen, do not join us for Thursday and Friday's show, a movie debut. Yeah. The big you were actually in the theater watching yourself on, on the screen. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I like the fact that legitimately, Coach, I had 50 t- people tell me they were going to go. And I had two people, my best friends, who actually took me, and that's all who basically showed up. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny how that happened. But I don't blame them because a lot of people, when they found out it was Waukegan, they were like, Waukegan, they're like, oh, you know, I have to go get arrested or something. They were making up all different <laughs> types of excuses for not going to Waukegan. It's easily accessible. It's a nice, very nice city. 
Well, I don't know how accessible it is, but you know, I guess it all depends where you live. If you live in Aurora <laughs> and it's an hour and a half away. Not, not that accessible. Yeah, people aren't that all excited about actually going there. Uh-huh. So, but I tell you, the, the Genesee Movie Theater Coach is the type of theater. Was a, there was a $23 million renovation. The place was wow. absolutely gorgeous. It was phenomenal. Uh, 2,400 seats. Not all of them were filled, but uh, it was uh, it was a heck of a time. And Twi- they twenty beer coach. Twenty three million. Twenty three million dollars for a movie. For a movie theater. How many theaters? How many theaters are there? Just one. There's what? Just one theater in there. Come on, Joe. You're, yeah, I'm making this up. I'm lying about. How well, no, I'm not saying there. you're lying. You might be a little mistaken. They, they, you can't. Put... Oh, no, no, coach, I walked all over the place. I got there an hour and a half early. I'm not denying that. What I'm what I'm questioning is the twenty three million dollars. I, I can't believe that's the figure for one. Uh, I don't. Just to let you know, that's what we read on the internet. And before the show, my buddy Sonny, who always finds the right guy. I'm sorry about this. I'm in. The, I'm I'm actually in the dump uh, dump spot. I'm actually trying to find a new toilet seat for my house. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, my buddy Sonny always knows who's the right guy to talk to, okay? And he finds the engineer of the place, and he gave him the whole breakdown, too. So Sonny's like, yeah, it was $23 million. you got to see the place. It's absolutely phenomenal. It better phenomenal. be. It better okay, be. they got like a $100,000 chandelier hanging from the ceiling, and supposedly they had to move it in from Seattle. So right there, that's like a quarter million yeah. of the $23 million. Chandeliers, I've, I've always thought chandeliers highly overrated. Oh, I agree with you, because they turn the lights out. Who's looking at the freaking chandelier? Exactly. Okay. See, but it's, it, it's like a live theater. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, not supposed to, it's a movie theater, but it's also for, like, for concerts, uh, comedians, like those type of people. The best thing about it, Coach, is they serve beer and alcohol at the place. Wow. And I'm not talking about, like, in a paper cup. Uh-huh. You can go get yourself a glass of beer. I don't know, okay? that, I don't know that I've ever been or heard of a movie theater that serves uh, the alcoholic beverage. Very interesting. Besides in Holland, you know, they do that. You know, the Dutch do that. You know, because no. you know, the Dutch do a lot of things. Exactly. So I was I was really impressed. So uh, we got in there and we just started pounding because I have to admit I was a little nervous about how everything was going to look. So this is the, the first camera. time. How weird is it after all the years of going to movies for the first time you are walking into a theater where you're going to watch a movie and you're going to be in it and you've never seen the finished product, right? No, no, I have not. I have no wow. idea. That had to be. That had well, to be I, about I, as uncomfortable as uh, your first date in high school. Especially because I'm with Joe Hogan and Sonny Nucho, and these guys are brutally honest. And Interestingly, the by the way, Joe Hogan, I believe, was your first date in high school, coincidentally enough, right? i got to tell you something. He's a very pretty man for being six foot one, yeah. uh, well, 300 pounds, and a former heavyweight wrestler All-American at, at West Point. At the age of 14, we're all experimenting. I can understand that. You know, everybody can say, hey, well, did you get lucky on your first date? I would have to say, <laughs> regrettably, no. <laughs> I was definitely not lucky that first day, and I'm still walking funny. So, oh goodness! <laughs> so, you know, so I and I know they're going to be like either they're going to be like you were okay, you need to work on it, you suck, get out of the business, or hey, can I be your your manager? Okay. And basically, when it was done, uh, Joe Hogan has figured out about I'm probably he thinks I'm going to win an Academy Award now, not for this particular role, but he says mm-hmm. one day down the line if I keep on working it out. You so know, what you're what you're telling our vast listening audience is, and again, you had not seen it before. You obviously were acting in the movie, but you didn't see what the finished product was. You were um, it was much better than you thought it would be. I yes, and now I will say this: I felt really bad for Benny. We had Benny Woodall Woodell on uh, last Thursday. Yes. And, 
you know, the movie was very good, but it's hard to get into the movie because what happened was they've got their own soundboard at the Genesee Theater, okay? Okay. And the way they did the sound in the movie, they didn't time it up right. Possibly so the guy was, who was running the soundboard might have also been partaking in the free beverages. Well, they weren't free, Coach. Okay. And and I want to thank Sonny Nuccio for uh, not sending his child to college to pay for my drinks all night. <laughs> okay, trust me, I'll educate the kids somehow. Homeschooling isn't bad. Well, of course, I'm the one doing it. That's another total issue. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but they had the sound. It was off. You know what I mean? And I felt really bad for Benny because... You know, he, he spends all these years doing this film, mm -hmm. and then he, he shows it. The places, you know, couldn't wait to see it. And then it, it's hard to give a true, like, oh, it was great, I loved it, when you when the sound isn't right on the film. And this you know was a and one... how David Olsen was. He would walk out because, you know, it, you know, he would have been really upset about the fact that the stuff wasn't right. So Because he's a sound guy, the engineer. All the engineers and sound people in the mm -hmm. place, I bet, were just... It was excruciating. So, yeah. and David is a really David is a he's a perfectionist. He likes things done rightly. I don't know why he got put with our show. That's kind of a contradiction in terms. But uh, there's no question he would have been upset with something like that. And to add insult or add salt to the wound and add insult to the injury, this was a one-time showing. It's not like okay, we'll get it right next time, right? This was the exactly. one and only showing. So you do feel bad for a Benny Woodall. Yeah, exactly. But you know, people were buying the DVDs. You know, they were you know they were scooping them up when the when the show was done. Mm -hmm. And um, coach, I, I I was really worried. It was the first time I had ever acted in my entire life. And I know my buddies would tell me what was up because they'll tell me like if I had a bad show here, or they'll tell me if uh, if like the, the girl that I'm dating stinks. I mean, they they're honest, okay. Right. And they, I'm not gonna say I was. They told me I did a really good job, so I'm happy with it. But I'll be more than happy to mm -hmm. send you the link it so i gotta okay. i gotta figure out how to actually get that part of the movie out and then you can actually see me whacking people coach mm -hmm. and again uh for those that did not join us uh, for our award-winning thursday and friday shows people might be out of town on vacation joining us on monday big dogs part not a big part but it's a dramatic one and basically you get completely beaten up by a female uh in the movie correct that's the gist of it well yeah basically i whack somebody she sees me and now oh. she's out for vengeance she wants to she wants to get back at the people who killed her parents. Do we get to see you doing the whacking? Oh, I whack. Pardon the expression? Uh, okay. I whack and then I get whacked off, coach. Okay. Well take it easy. Take, I thought I thought the only I thought the only scene was you getting beaten up, so we get to see you uh giving it out and then taking a little bit yourself. I even have good lines in the movie, believe it or not. Really? They let you speak? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, coach, I get to speak. I, I thought you were just a pretty face in the background. Um, no, no, not just a pretty face in the background. I actually, I actually got a credit in the movie. Mm -hmm. It was, it was cool seeing my name up there, and uh, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun, coach. It was definitely worth it. And as a matter of fact, right now I'm actually going. This is why there's so much noise. I feel really bad, to everybody doing the show, but I'm downtown and I'm going to um, uh, the number one casting director in the city of Chicago. His name is David O'Connor. I have a meeting with him at eleven o'clock. Okay. So. Uh, I'm pretty fired up, Coach. It's about good. How, how did this uh, meeting come about? Did you go through a, a friend of a friend? Heard it through a friend? Who? Heard it through a friend? The director for Black and Blue City one okay. day was like, you know, you're really good in front of the camera. And I'm like, well, I appreciate that because I want to be an actor. He's like, mm -hmm. really? Okay. And then we did a couple other shows. I did a promo for him. And when I got done doing the promo, he just walked up to me. He's like, call David O'Connor tomorrow. Okay. So I did. I called him up. 
And he's like, yeah, Bill told me you were going to call. Why don't you come down? I want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. So all we'll right. see. Interesting. Our, our uh, general manager here at the studios, Chris Whitting, the commander-in-chief, has made a living out of uh, out of uh, fostering other people's success. He has already volunteered to become your agent, even though he doesn't know you. Well, that, that's really nice. Did he really do that? Because I, I need something. Because I... Coach, I, I need a break somehow, and I'm not. Right. And I'm not talking about the type of break I got when I was uh, when I was running numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, since I've walked with <laughs> a limp for a, like at least three months after that, uh-huh. so right. it, it would be nice to get some type of break. Yeah. I got Monday, Wednesday afternoons open. If you need a free agent, part uh, not a free agent. If you need a uh, agent part time, I'd be happy to volunteer my services. Well, that would be fine. Heck yeah, yeah. Coach. Normally, as long as I get twenty five percent of your um, makings the first couple of years. Well, well, for the first one, I'll be more than happy to give you 25%. After okay. that, uh, the, the contract's going to be ripped up. Already the negotiations have undertaken. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Two guys at a mic show now, potential future movie star down the road. And just remember, big dog, be nice to the people. Be nice to the little people as you climb the ladder because you're going to meet those same people. 20 years later when your career is over, on the way down. So I don't I don't think I have to worry about you. You are good at heart. You're a people guy, but but... As your career builds, you know, don't get too big of a head and remember the little people, particularly me. Well, uh, absolutely, Coach. And, and you are little. I mean, you're a buck eighty, and you're six foot two. Come on, uh, actually, that is, that's little. One ninety nine when last on the scale. Oh, really? You've you been gaining some weight, huh? Well, you haven't seen me lately. We are going to get together you know, a couple times, and we're going to invite uh, the listeners. By the way, too, I don't know if this has been publicly announced. We have to talk to our. Uh, our uh, new female intern who we're hopefully going to be hiring here, our marketing people, but we have a Schaumburg Flyers outing. We're inviting the listeners to Big Dog Saturday, August 14th. You, me, a couple others, hopefully uh, many of our listeners, but uh, the two of us, we have not seen each other for a while. Yeah, it, it has been a long time, Coach. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't even remember the last time. Was it when we? I was in studio? Was that the last time we saw each other? Holy mackerel. That was a long time when we started the show. Yeah. Because I, I, I did not go to uh, your bar mitzvah. When, when you finally, it, I mean, you had actually done the bar mitzvah a long time ago, but they finally realized you were a man. So that, mm-hmm. that was what, about a couple months ago. I tried. It was worth a shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did go to that, Coach. I really didn't think it was all that special. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> you know. uh, we got a wedding coming up in a couple weeks, right? Who's getting married? What do you mean, who's getting married? Our old radio producer. Josh Waterboy Fox? Rock chalk. Oh, oh, oh! He didn't invite me. Ugh, killing me. So, no. That, are you going? No, he didn't invite you. Well, I uh, was invited. There's some issues on the attendance. I will be there, but uh, I don't want to get into it. Now we're on. Are we on the air, David? Because me and Joe are just talking. The yeah, show yeah. started. The show actually started. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I will be there. It'll be limited time. Our old movie producer Danny Zetterman, radio producer, rather getting married in a couple of weeks. Now, if I guarantee you, if uh, Black and Blue City, because it's, it's picked up, or definitely going to be on next April on WCIU. If, if he finds out about that, I mm-hmm. will all of a sudden get an invite. I promise you that'll. That's exactly the way it'll work. Oh so, no, no, not Rock Chalk. Come on. You're saying on, he's coach. he's not a top feeder. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm saying it right here on air. He is. You're calling him out right here on air, our old producer? He doesn't was... even return Kevin's swamp red haran. Yeah, that is a Dale. problem. That is a okay. problem. Well, that's why I gave you the lesson as you move up the ladder. That's one of the things I was trying to uh, teach you as you become famous. Remember the little people along the way because you need to be nice to them. As your career starts to fade in 20 years, you'll meet those same people on the way back down. Yeah, Coach, when it comes to you, Hogan, Nuccio, Mike George, Cloudy, I'm going to be good to all you guys forever. So, mm-hmm. 
But right. I have to actually make something out of myself first, but I really think I am right now. Things mm-hmm. are going well. Beautiful. All right, well, well, big meeting coming up today. I know you got to leave early to go to that meeting, but uh, that is outstanding. Best of luck with that. Uh, let's talk some sports real quick. Big note, yeah. your favorite team, the Chicago Cubs. Not bad. Not bad over the weekend. Not bad since the All-Star break. Real bad before the All-Star break. But uh, three out of four against the Phillies. A nice win yesterday. At least, uh, of course, you predicted it, didn't you, that the Cubs would play just good enough where they won't sell off their players and get stuck in the mud once again. Yeah, that's, that was a prediction that I will be more than happy to be totally wrong with. And I would love to see them get hot over the next three weeks, not have to sell anybody off, and then continue to be hot and make it an extremely interesting September. But mm-hmm. I have this, this, this bad, bad feeling in my core that they're going to be awesome, keep everybody, and then next thing you know they're going to fall apart by August 15th. We're going to be like, man, we could have got like a, a, a second baseman prospect, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a pitching prospect, and we could have got rid of all these bums and they're playing like bums again. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm really afraid of. And I don't mean to be a pessimist because – you know, when I think the Cubs are good, I'll be more than happy to start pounding my chest. But I, I, I just have a bad feeling about this particular ball club mm-hmm. and the 2010 Chicago Cubs. Yeah, let's let's push the pessimism to the back a little bit because yeah, let's, yeah. Let, let's make sure we enjoy it while they're playing good. Maybe it'll last for a while, maybe short time, but enjoy it while you can. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, three out of four over a good Philadelphia Phillies team, which still continues to uh, struggle with all the talent that they've got, big doll. But it could have been a clean sweep. Could have been four out of four if it was not uh, for a ninth inning collapse by Carlos Marmol. So we were that close to bringing out the uh, the big boy broom. You, you know, you know what, Coach? I, I'm glad you said the Carlos Marmol because a lot of people are like, if, if Soto gets that tag down, they win the game. You know what? That's a really tough play, and it's true. If if Tyler Colvin made a great throw and the guy should have been out at home and the Cubs should have won one to nothing, but it didn't happen. And what I was absolutely peeved with and upset about was the fact that. Carlos Marmol just imploded. I mean, bad things are going to happen to you every once in a while. You just have to learn to deal with it. You know what I'm saying, Coach? It was pretty disturbing to see how he, he imploded after the, the catch. And he was totally affected by it. It wasn't that he just gave up a couple of hits or walked somebody. and it, it, it was no coincidence. He was visibly shaken after uh, Giovanni Soto did not get the tag down that would have ended the game. Mm-hmm. And we, we had thought that that was, you know, the young Carlos Marmol who showed so much potential, that was one of his problems. He would lose it and he would get, uh, you know, easily distracted, shall we say. But it appeared this year he finally got over that particular Milano. Now it's only one game, but, uh, that was the old Carlos Marmol, not the one that we've seen this year. Yes, exactly. And I hate to tell you, but that was, uh, he reverted back to that, at least for an inning. And maybe, you know, that's one of those things, you know, a pitching coach or a manager, you know, you don't always have to coach people up, but you know, you got to go to them and be like, you know, things are going to go wrong. Uh, and you have to get your, you have to pick your teammate up. Uh, you don't need to act like Carlos Zambrano out there, Carlos Marmol. Act like Greg Maddox. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You act like a great pitcher. Things aren't always going to go well. And I don't want to dwell on the negative because they won three out of four. But uh, that was just, that was my point that I, I was like peeved with this whole particular weekend. But I tell you something, coach. Isn't it funny how much better that team pitches than they actually hit? You know, it's too bad it was a one nothing game at that point because if they scored some runs, then that wouldn't have mattered, if you know what I'm saying. But the other games, whenever they, whenever they score runs, they're pitchers, they can throw strikes and catch the ball. So the number one thing with this team, if they hit, they will have a chance. Scored uh, plenty of runs yesterday. They got 11, including uh, going up against one of the best pitchers in baseball, Roy. Don't call me Happy Halliday. So that was a big win there. And basically the guys, the, uh, the team they envisioned at the start of the year, 
with uh, an improved Giovanni Soto and your big six, Aramis Ramirez and Alfonso Soriano, not so much Derek Lee over the weekend, and then a few young kids contributing. That vision never uh, came to fruition first half of the season. Big Dog, at least in the seven, eight games since the All-Star break, that's the Cub team that Lou Piniela, that Jim Hendry, the Tom Rickety Ricketts, and the rest of us envision could be. And they're playing like that. I don't know how long it'll last, but that's the way they're playing, like the uh, optimistic thought we had at the start of the year. Yeah, it, well, the optimistic thought was the fact that they had a really good offense. Mm-hmm. They had quality starting pitching. So if they can beat people, you know, like 7-2 uh, to two and not have to worry about their middle release, they'd be okay. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it'd be negative. Again. Well, let's face it, the biggest glaring weakness on this team at the beginning of the year was their uh, – their middle relief, and I hate to tell you, Coach, that's probably been the biggest strength of this whole team all year long, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and if, the, if you uh, think about what, how this team was set up, their weakness has been their strength this year. So, and speaking of setup, but you say middle relief, add to it the setup position too, because Sean Marshall, the lanky lefty, Sean Marshall, he's been unbelievable coming out. Basically, he's an eighth inning specialist. There's time when he pitches big dog. There was a game, I think Thursday or Friday, when he threw like a ten pitch inning. Uh-huh. And it was a it was a close ball game, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I know the book. The book says you now bring in your closer, but the guy threw ten pitches. His curveball was just thinking and diving. And he was throwing it for strikes. You know, I, you know me. I'm not a big book guy. I don't like to read anyway. Throw the damn book out and bring Sean Marshall in. Is it worked out? Carlos Marmol struck out the side. It worked out fine. But I guess the bottom line is Sean Marshall has been outstanding in that well, eighth just, inning setup role. Just just to let you know, coach, in the one nothing game. That, that happened also. Marshall came in in the eighth inning, mowed him down, and it couldn't have been more than a ten pitch inning either. Because I mean, he was, he absolutely dominated every single batter that he faced, yep. and then Marmol couldn't find the strike zone yeah. the next day. So you know, you might have said, "Oh, well, you know, it worked out the first time." But if you saw Saturday's game, that was the issue. They maybe you know the funny thing is that they had uh, you know Ryan Howard was coming up that inning, so mm-hmm. I actually thought, "Do you think uh, Lou might stay with him?" You know, and that's yeah. you know, too much. Too much. It's too much by the book uh, uh, managing. That's that's been a problem, I think, uh, for managers in the last ten or fifteen years. Ever since the book went from about one handwritten page, that's what the old managers used to go by. Now it's uh-huh. a computerized book, about five hundred pages long. But uh, yeah, you got a guy that's hot. Go with the hot hand. You can tell very often uh, the bullpen coach who knows the pitchers real well. He can tell. Which mm-hmm. pitchers are going to be quote unquote on in a certain day? You got to you got to use that hunch and roll with that. I think a little bit more than managers uh, typically do. You know, you're exactly right, coach. And, and I'm not trying to say Marshall was dominant in previous years, but you know what? He's been a good pitcher for the last couple of years, and he continually was pulled out of games yep. when a righty would come in. You know, this was the first year they just let him pitch. You know, like you're our eighth inning guy. You, you, you understand what I'm saying, coach? And there was many times where I would he would face two lefties. Throw six strikes, throw two, the guy out, and you know, and he's hitting, throwing the ball exactly where he wants to. You know what? I would rather have a lefty throwing to a righty who's throwing the ball exactly where he wants to than a righty versus a righty who doesn't know where the ball is going. You know, and you talk about by the book. Sean Marshall might have blossomed a little bit earlier if they just let him pitch instead of going, oh, you're only facing left-handed batters. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you have to admit that's happened the last couple of years, coach. Yeah, it so, has indeed. But uh, he has blossomed. Yeah, he, he, he could. He, there, there could be teams trading for him in the off season, maybe as a closer. You know, coach, I got to be a hundred percent honest with you. It, when when it comes to Cubs selling off parts mm-hmm. in case that's what happens at July thirty first, and as a diehard Cub fan who's going to be in it to win it forever, I'm always going to be a Cub fan. I have no problem with them selling off parts in years they don't think they can win it. Okay. He better not be one of them that they're selling off because that kid is a cod. 
And to be honest, he came up as a starter. Maybe he should be a starter next year. I mean, is it that crazy to think Sean Marshall should be getting 200 innings next year as a, as a starter for the Chicago Cubs? My, my, my first instinct was to say, no, he's, you know, doing very well in the position he's in. And then boom, I got a flash come up, a little flash bulb with a picture in it. And he's got it wearing a St. Louis Cardinals jersey. And his name is Adam Wainwright. And I said the same thing about Adam Wainwright when he came up as a young kid coming out of the bullpen in the World Series. Guy's yeah. brilliant. Tony LaRusso going to make him a starter. What the hell are you doing, Tony? Adam Wainwright, I know Ubaldo Jimenez is having an unbelievable season. If I had one game to pitch right now in the major leagues, Big Doe, Adam Wainwright's the guy. He's been the most consistent starting pitcher in baseball this year. He's lights out like every single game. So the Dude, thought Josh of Sean Johnson Marshall making. Huh? Josh Johnson of the, of the Marlins has been too. That's, that's a good question that you're posing right now. If you had one game to pitch, you, didn't, you couldn't do wrong with any of the three of them, Jimenez. Wayne Wright or or Josh Johnson of the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Where does John Danks fit into that picture? Feel free to say nowhere. Um, it, it all depends on. <laughs> I'll tell you something. He's awfully tough when yes. the White Sox score eight runs when he pitches. Coach. <laughs> ah, the old underhanded compliment. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick, quick break before we leave the Chicago Cubs. Though, as we head into a break, uh, real quick, two youngsters continue to shine in a big way for the Cubs. Big though, you gotta be excited as a Cub fan, even if it's not this year. But Starlin Castro, you got a shortstop for a long, long time, and Tyler Colvin, he looks like he's the real deal. The two young kids, both with three hits in yesterday's win. Yeah, uh, Tyler Coleman has an awesome swing. He needs to be a little bit more patient, I think, at the plate. But then again, if you're an RBI guy and you start driving a runs, I can care less. But, you know, I would like him to swing at a little bit more strikes. He does swing at a few balls. But, you know, other than that, I mean, the kid is really good defensively. He runs the base as well. Uh, he's got a beautiful swing, doesn't he, Coach? And then when it comes to Starling Castro, the kid's 20 years old. And, and even though it drives me crazy when I hear basic baseball stuff that he does wrong and people are like, oh, no, it's all right, he's a rookie. No, there, there are some things that I don't care what level or how old you are. If you're in a major league and you're on second base and there's a deep fly ball hit that you don't know is going to be caught or not, you tag up. Because if the ball isn't caught, you're going to score anyways. And if it is caught, you'll get your butt to third. I don't care if you're 20 years old. If you're a 17-year-old rookie in the Major League Baseball, you should know to do that. And I do understand there's stuff that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Coach, he's doing a really good job of not making mistakes twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, he makes something where you just laugh and you're like, oh, well, he's a 20-year-old rookie. That's that's pretty typical. That was stupid. And then he doesn't do it again. You know, so that's that's a good sign. You know what I mean? That you can learn from your mistakes, Coach. And he. The plays he makes defensively, I mean, Sean Dustin is the closest of great spectacular plays that we've seen made by this kid. He he is by far the best or most spectacular defensive shortstop that I've ever mm-hmm. seen as a Chicago Cub fan. And, and let I mean? us yeah. not forget the first thing you said, he's 20 years Oh, barely yeah. beyond his teenage years, the best is yet to come. we got a good shortstop. Hopefully we can keep him. All right, we'll take a quick, quick break, talk some White Sox baseball. We'll do a little round-em-up, wrap-em-up on MLB baseball, the British Open. Not exactly an exciting finish, but we'll talk a little Clara Jug when we come back, too. Back in a minute, two guys and a mic, the dog, the coach.
All right, Big Dog, I know you got to leave early today. We are back on the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. We'll continue baseball talk, but I don't want to get you off the hook. We might get so lost in baseball, you sign off, say goodbye. I need you to pronounce the last name of the guy who won the British Open. I don't want you to get off that easy. No, i got to be quite honest with you, and everybody out there that's listening to us on TalkZone.com, it's not because Coach is trying to make me look bad, and I will try to pronounce this, <laughs> uh, but it's because you have no chance to be able to do it. Let's just face it, Coach. That's what you're doing right now. You're, you're passing the buck to me. Probably right. I practiced <laughs> over the weekend. Oh, practice, it, it, practice, practice. Is it uh, Wustheisen? I think it's Wust. Isn't there the S-T pronounced? Oh, Wust. Wustheisen. 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 It's fun to say. Well, I called him, uh, what did I call him? Oosterheisen. On Thursday and Friday, show when I was looking up at the leaderboard. That was when I was with some guy this week and kept calling him Meisterbrow for some reason. <laughs> I'm not sure how the O O E S T makes the W sound, but apparently in South Africa that's the way it was. But uh, forgetting the pronunciation, forgetting about the pronunciation, what a story that was, Big Dog. What a run in the British Open. Took all the excitement away, kind of ruined it, but what a great story it was. 27 year old kid out of South Africa runs away. With the British Open. Very impressive. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? It's kind of funny. Sometimes when you dominate and your name is not Tiger Woods, you, you almost lose out because nobody watches it and people don't pay attention. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if Tiger Woods is winning by 10, oh, it's great. He's blowing everybody out. But if, you know, if, if, if Steve Stricker, you know, 26 under on the last day, nobody watches it because he's got a seven-stroke lead. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that guy kind of was hurt by this. Uh, but it, it was still a pretty cool story. And, you know, I don't want to sound too callous here, but, you know, to be honest with you, like when you see a white guy from South Africa who's being real successful, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. Like, well, what did this guy's dad do? You know, what I mean, what was his yep. job? Was it to beat people up and and oppress people? Mm-hmm. You know, and and now he, the guy probably had a silver spoon in his mouth when all these golfers and stuff. This kid was as poor as they come in South Africa, and Ernie Els like bought this guy, uh, bought this kid uh, golf clubs like 15 years ago, because he saw something in him. You mm-hmm. know, and he was, and he went, to, I mean, this isn't your typical white South African story. You know I, what I'm saying, Coach? I do indeed. It's a, it was a, it's a really, really cool story. And it, this is the guy you can really like. And I'm not saying just because you're white and you're from South Africa, you can't like somebody. That's not what I was trying to say whatsoever. But it, it's definitely a, a really, really heartwarming story. And this is a good guy. And it, it's too bad in, in golf's best event, which is the Open, it was a blowout. I, I was really hoping that somebody would be able to make a run at the end of it. Sounds like we can hear some of the uh, breeze and the wind in the background on your phone. Sound like the British Open on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday where the winds were uh, unbelievable. But, uh, yeah, great story. You are exactly right. The one thing that came out about this kid beyond his uh, cool and his obviously a tremendous uh, production on the golf course, he was phenomenal, just seemed like a completely nice guy, even before you heard him interviewed. Just watching him, you know, talking to Paul Casey during the uh, 18 holes and watching him on Saturday. Just a uh, very normal, down-to-earth, there's no other way to put it, just a nice guy. And it was good to see him win. Yeah, it was. It was. And, uh, you know, it's, it's. I don't like to make that judgment on people because, uh, like, I swear when I see people on television, you know, they might uh-huh. have the jerk face. You know, sometimes that might end up being a, a nice guy. But he did, Coach. He looked like a, he looked like a really, really yes. good guy. Yeah. And might I add, by the way, you know, we, uh, we kid at times one of the great traditions in all of golf is for the winners of any tournament that come off the course before signing the card on the way up the path, they get to kiss Phil Mickelson's wife. Amy. If, if, uh, Amy Mickelson is not available, uh, next in line could be, uh, the 27 year old South African's, uh, lovely wife. I forget her first name. She was interviewed on TV, but, uh, she would be a good compliment to an Amy Mickelson.
Well, well, that's good to know that there's more yes. than one woman to kiss at the end of the golf tournament. Are they going to like put them in a row? No, I think they'll take turns because that's a lot of pressure to put on uh, Amy, especially with the sickness she's had and you know kissing all the different golfers. I think this will allow her to take a few um, Sundays off. Okay, so uh, what happens if Phil Mickelson wins? Does, does he automatically go to his wife first, or does he go to Us uh, uh I'm, I'm, wife first? I'm all for the spice of life. I say if the actual golfer's wife, uh, or if the actual golfer wins, he absolutely has to kiss the other wife. So it would be Mrs. Wustheisen. That's good to know, Coach. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I do think Fox has a television show about this. <laughs> Golfer swap or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, goodness. Somewhere over the weekend, I was flipping around channels. I don't know how it came about, but uh, Wife Swap? No, is it called Wife Swap? Yeah. No, no, you're right. I have not watched Brutal. that episode, but every time I see Brutal. the name of that, I just yeah. laugh. I, I was like, I really yeah. can't believe that that's going on. I couldn't quite understand what was behind it. I watched it for a little bit like a complete uh, mesmerized individual that I was, but it was brutal. Absolutely brutal. TV trash, and I watched it you, for you. You did watch it? Watched, watched it the it? entire 40. Actually, I was flipping back and forth between that. By the way, I did see a movie that's been out for years and years, and I had never had a desire to see it because I thought it was more of a shoot 'em up military flick. But I'm flipping around and caught the start, and it caught me right away. Great movie, A Few Good Men. Oh, these Tom Cruise. I had never seen that movie. I loved that. That was excellent. I just. You need me on that wall, Coach. You want me on that wall. I, you, that's the first time you've seen a movie. I had never seen, and, and you know, I, I didn't pay any interest to a military movie. I thought it was more of a you know a shoot 'em up and kind of a war movie. I'm not really into those, but it was not that at all. And boy, Jack Nicholson, you talk about God, I can can steal the scene. I mean, he's not in it very often, but when he is, did anybody win Academy Awards in that particular? Demi Moore I, playing I, a very I, understated role. I don't think so because, and yeah, no matter what uh, Tom Cruise does, he'll never get any type of recognition. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I know he didn't. And you Demi get the, Moore definitely did not, unless I yeah. think he actually has to take a top off in order to get any type of award. It's interesting. You have to give the producer, now the, the uh, producer, I guess it would be credit, because there were so many times in the movie you could have got the Demi Moore, Tom Cruise love thing going. There was a little bit of tension along the way, but he never went that way. Stuck with the story. Well, uh, there's a couple outtakes. On that. Ah. They're, they're uncomfortable, Coach, is the best way for me to, to the say. The optics. Yeah. Un- Especially the animals involved. <laughs> yeah, uh, you gotta, yeah, you got to get behind the scenes, a few good men. Apparently. And, and, and some great quotes came out of that. Of course, what's Jack Nicholson's famous quote from that? Uh, truth, you can't handle the truth. Right? You, you, yeah, can't you can't handle the, handle the truth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Which I had heard that quote over and over again, of course, on radio. You know, some people play it as a soundbite. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor, okay. was nominated for, well, no, he didn't get for Best Director. He was nominated for Best Picture. Okay. Um, so, but then. Which is Best Producer, basically, is what that means. Yeah, basically. Basically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, that's a little sidebar notes, but the bottom line is, uh, British Open, uh, it was disappointing that it wasn't close because we all love the back nine on a major final day and the tension and the pressure and when it's real close it's fun to watch but to watch this kid win was kind of neat I, I did tune in and uh just because he's such a nice guy and I, and I didn't know some of the history behind it the fact that he did not have that much money and um, grew up in a poorer part of south africa so a great story for the young kid we'll see if it's a one and done big dog or what would likely seem the start of maybe a, a pretty good career for uh who's tyson yeah, you know, I'm not knocking this guy at all, but you know, it does seem like the British Open is either won by the all-time great yeah. or some guy that you never heard of, and that's the only thing he'll ever win his whole entire life. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny how that it works out. Like, I don't know, it, but it, and they all admitted it. Even the guys that 
you know, didn't win. They're like, St. Andrews, playing, winning at this golf course means more than winning at the other golf course, courses uh, that they play at in, in England mm-hmm. and or Scotland, wherever you go, because that is actually in Scotland, but it's Great Britain. So it was, it was kind of here to people actually admit that. You know, this one, this British Open means the ones that are on the zeros and fives that they play every five year at that at that particular golf course do mean a little bit more. And it, I like when people acknowledge that because everybody else is thinking it. You know what I mean? You know, normally mm-hmm. it's like, oh, these are just the same. No, no, this one means a little more for some reason. It's still a British Open. If you win it next year, you get to hoist the claret jug, and, and you should have just the same satisfaction. But you do get to smirk a little bit more and say, I won at the world's oldest golf course. I'd say both the Clara Jug and the World Cup, the trophy for both those, both need a little steroidal action. I don't know if you can put illegal steroids or growth hormones in a trophy. And they're both wonderful trophies, great, great honors. But the World Cup and the Clara Jug, yeah, a little, little protein shake for both of them. we got to build yeah. them up a little bit. I'm going to have to disagree with you. Come on. I would say it's, what? it's really cool that uh, – that you can have some of the greatest trophies in sport, mm-hmm. and and they realize that the the actual honor of hoisting it is more important than how gaudy and bodacious okay. that it looks. So in the world of trophies, size does not matter. Well, I, it, to some people it does, and I ain't going to sit there and try to sway anybody's opinion. But mm-hmm. I, I like it. It's pretty cool right. that the most sought after trophy in the world, the World Cup, mm-hmm. is legitimately just a little bit bigger than an Oscar. Definitely a lot heavier. You can tell it's a lot heavier. It takes like 15 of those soccer players to lift it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, it, I, I like the fact, Coach, that they go by what it, the meaning of it and not some gaudy, stupid looking trophy. Mm-hmm. The trophy that I won for, uh, like, in, when we won uh, the Illinois region in Little League when I was 11 and 12. Yep. And that thing's like nine times the size of the World Cup. And I'm not kidding you, Coach. <laughs> it was taller than me. I was like, I can't even pick this freaking thing up. And if I did, it'll break in half. <laughs> Just make sure you don't pick it up on a windy day. It might slice in half. <laughs> you know, one other real quick thought uh, on Lewis uh, uh, Wusthuizen. 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 Amazingly, now we're getting some information here, and uh, one of the facts written down, it was only the second time in his career. He's 27 years old, so he's not 21, 22. He's been on the tour for a while. It's only the second time ever that he made a cut in the majors. So all wow. the other major tournaments he was in, he didn't even make the cut. And here this guy wins a major tournament by nine strokes, just to add to the amazement of the Lewis uh, Weisthuizen story. Yeah, that that is amazing, Coach. I, I, I thought I heard something. I thought it was just the British Open. I didn't know it was all the majors. Yeah. That, that's, that, that's just dumbfounding, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the guy will be able to play at uh, St. Andrews until he's 60 because of this, and he might not even be able to play in any other majors. Well, I guess he can play in all majors for the next 10 years, right? Because uh, you know, I'm not, I haven't quite figured out the rules and regulations of who gets to play and who doesn't on the PGA Tour. If you did watch the British Open, you're a golf fan, you want to dial in 888-463-6748. Big Dog and the Coach at your service. You can email us at mike 2 Guys at AOL.com. Big Dog, I know you got to run. Any uh, closing thoughts, baseball over the weekend, any other trouble you got into that you didn't want to mention at the start of the show that 45 minutes into it, you just say, what the hell, I might as well tell the American public. Well, I, I better I better <laughs> leave the, all the trouble that I got into, you know, alone, Coach, because okay. you know, who knows, that'll get me even more trouble. But, uh, you know, while you guys go into baseball, and, and I'm sure David Olson, the diehard White Sox fan, will definitely have opinions on the – the last couple of days for the Chicago White Sox. Yes, sir. Don't jump off the bridge, White Sox fan. Don't 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 jump off the bandwagon. And I know that was a really ugly loss yesterday. A a really ugly loss. Let's admit it, coach. That you don't want to lose ball games that way. I, I'd rather lose fifteen nothing than the way they 
absolutely yep. imploded uh, yes in yesterday's ball game. But you know what? It is only one game, and I know you lost three out of four in Minnesota. But the beautiful thing about baseball, they've got seven games this week. Okay, so they can put that behind them. You go into Seattle, you take care of business. You're still in first place. It's all good. So White Sox fans, don't act like Cub fans and panic and freak out at the last moment. Okay, you, your team has been playing spectacular ball. You're, I got to tell you, you're going to blow another game like this throughout the season. Mm-hmm. You might blow two or three more. But if you start panicking and the team starts panicking, instead of blowing two or three more games this year, you might blow ten, and that might be the difference. You know what I'm saying, Coach? It's baseball. Deal with it. Suck it up. You go up to Minnesota, you're not going to dominate teams. So. And, and the karma is on their side, particularly of late, because here they lose three out of four, but the Detroit Tigers get swept over the weekend. And the White Sox, after a tough, tough weekend, Big Dog, still wake up this morning, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, game and a half up in first place. So that makes yes, the, the losing a little bit easier. Yes, yes, they, that's exactly where they're at. They're, I know they're a game and a half above the Twins, mm-hmm. so I, I'm assuming the Tigers are right there. They, so the fact of the matter is they, they control their own destiny, Coach. So you're going to get a black eye every once in a while. You know, it's not whether you know you get knocked down, it's whether you get back up. Mm-hmm. I always say that. So It's not how hard you fall, it's how high the bounce is afterwards. Oh, I like that one. Is that a John Wooden or a Vince Lombardi, Coach? Uh, not sure. Okay, not sure. I, I have a collection uh, I of quotes. That's actually, you know, people have different hobbies when they were young and stuff. Right about the age of 16, 17, I started a collection of quotes. I've never put them together in book form. Basically, they're just like a, in big folders, but that is my hobby. That's my collection. And when I publish them, Big Dog, you might write the forward to my award-winning book. Coach, believe it or not, I, I can do that well. I, I will do it well. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing something similar. I got, the, I got the inspirational quotes by Terry Bevington. The only problem is <laughs> I can't read Braille. <laughs> So, you know, that, oh, it's very difficult. Boy. i got to find a blind friend. So, yeah. If you're going to write it, that, what, what book would be shorter, the Terry Bevington Great Quotes books or the famous Jewish sports athletes books? Pretty close. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> the Terry Bevington, because uh, right. uh, there's a lot of good writers that are that are of Hebrew descent, mm. and, you know, they can stretch out the Sandy <laughs> Koufax story for days, okay, for days. Hank Greenberg, are you kidding me? He might be the most interesting player ever in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. There's like 50 books on Hank Greenberg. Okay, so you know, but books have forwards. Why don't they have? Nobody ever writes a backward. If I have a book, if I publish a book, and I fully expect in the next ten years I plan to do so, it might be on a failed sports talk show, or it might be my quote book. I'm not sure which one's going to come first. We're going to have a forward in the book, but at the end of it, big dog, someone's going to write a backward. Okay, well, coach, I, I really would appreciate doing one of them, one or the other. <laughs> Very good. By the way. As we say goodbye to the big dog here, David Olson, you'll be, this is an interesting note. 99% of the books out there, page 53, is on the right side of the book. Isn't that amazing? You lost me, coach. 99% of the books published. Yeah, you lost I got what you said. If you look for page 53, it will always be on the right-hand side. So, and I, and I bet you 99% of those same books, page 55, will be on the right-hand side, too. <laughs> oh, big dog, you're too, you're, it's too early in the morning to pull one over your uh, bald cranium. Uh, I hate to tell you, Coach, I'm on top of my game today. You see, David's still looking at me uh, puzzled. Page one is always, yeah, okay, forget it. All right, dog, <laughs> I mean, feel free to stick around. I don't mean to kick you out early, but. 
Oh, no, no, you're right. I do have to go right. because I'm starting to break a sweat. Now i got to go to the bathroom <laughs> and, and, and dry myself off before I go to this meeting. Yeah, loosen yourself up a little bit. Uh, come in a little bit later. you got a big meeting with a movie producer. Dog, we wish you the best of luck. You deserve a break, and I think today is the day you're going to get it. The only problem is I don't have a suit on or a resume. It doesn't matter. Okay. doesn't matter. The dress is overrated, folks. Okay. If, if this guy's worth his weight... He will look at the uh, the person inside, the quality of your acting, and not uh, the overall appearance. I do hope you did shower, though. Well, yeah, but I've also ridden the bike since I've showered. It's a problem. And it's 90 degrees out. I keep and, oh, tell- my God, you see this girl just how she's making me sweat right now. Oh, my, man, I love downtown Chicago, Coach. Dave, I keep, telling, I keep telling Joel there's a new product on the market. It's called deodorant. <laughs> I, I use it, believe it's it or a, not. available in most of your local uh, bookstores. All right. <laughs> Big dog, big go. We'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? Uh, David Olson, thank you very much. And Coach, I'll be on the show tomorrow. Goodbye to everybody. Okay. The big dog, check it out. Phone lines are open, folks, if you want to check it out. I don't know why, but I was cracking up when I was, he was talking about the movie theaters, and he said they bought 100000 for the chandelier. And I said, well, you know, chandeliers are overrated in big dog. Yeah, they turn out the lights. Who the hell looks at the freaking chandelier? That might be the, the subtitle for today's show. Maybe the title for my book. They turned out the lights. They turn out the lights anyways. So who the hell looks at the freaking chandelier? All right. Uh, 888-463-6748. Coach flying solo for the final uh, 10 minutes of the show. We did talk Cub baseball. Let's talk about the rest of the world of baseball. First of all, here in Chicago, the White Sox, we mentioned. Tough, tough loss yesterday. Big dog alluded to it. If you are not aware from uh, anyone in the city of Chicago, if you're a White Sox fan, you're painfully aware. But the Sox led 6-3. to three. Going into the final inning, gave up four runs. Their closer, Bobby Jenks, been pretty good of late. Uh, imploded a, a couple of walks, a couple of hits. They brought in Sergio Santos, the young kid. He couldn't get the final out. Delman Young, base hit, couple of runs come in in a painful, painful defeat. I mean, you're beating the Twins by three runs at their place going into the last inning, and they score four walk-off base hit to win it. They celebrate, and you go into the clubhouse with your heads down. But I think Big Dog stated it right. It's way too early to call that a critical series. They have no time to uh, think about it. You bounce back today. I think they're taking on the Seattle Mariners, so we'll see if the White Sox will be okay. But tough, tough loss yesterday. Freddie Garcia, another nice performance. J.J. Putz. Is it Putz or Putz? I think it's Putz. He's been outstanding. I think he's had a White Sox record. 24 consecutive innings without giving up a run. And a lot of people, when I was, um, I was not at the front of that line, but I was near the front, were questioning the pickup and the money. For uh, X, very good, but the last couple of years, not so good reliever, J.J. Putz. Looks like the White Sox, on that particular case, gambled, rolled the dice, and came up with a 7 or 11. So the uh, Sox lose 3 out of 4. Tough, tough break for them. Of course, they uh, lost on Saturday. They did win 8-7, to seven, I believe, on Friday. Francisco Liriano beat him. Mark Burley pitched pretty well. Pretty good game on Saturday, by the way, with Burley and Carl Pavano, a couple of veterans. But the uh, White Sox lost it in the ninth inning in that game. One other final note for the White Sox on an optimistic side, and that is the young hitter Gordon Beckham, who, boy, to say he struggled in the first half of the season, that's being nice, but uh, he's coming out of it. Aramis Ramirez doing the same thing with the Cubs on the north side. Gordon Beckham. Uh, four hits yesterday. He's got his batting average up to two thirty-seven. And not only is it going to help this year, but I think more importantly for the fans that were worried that maybe Gordon Beckham, you know, a future star for the White Sox, uh, you know, a fixture, whether they're going to put him at third base or second base or shortstop, we need to find a set spot for him. That's one thing. Looks like second base may be the spot. But you figure we had a good, young, major league star for a long, long time, and then you watched him play. In the first half of the season, you're thinking, oh, boy. 
another one-hit wonder. But it looks like the way Gordon Beckham's coming out of it, he is going to be that kind of player, and it was just a rough first half of the season. So uh, Sox will be back in action against Seattle. Other Major League Baseball very quickly. Got to mention the Oakland A's. They swept the Kansas City Royals 9-6. to They're getting back in the race uh, a little bit. Unpoco in the American League Western Division. Texas and Boston, pretty good series there. Between two of the top four or five teams in the American League, Rangers take two out of three. C.J. Wilson yesterday with 10 strikeouts. Toronto beat Baltimore. They sweep Baltimore. I don't know, David, if you can look up worst record in Major League Baseball history. But the Baltimore Orioles, I think, are like a three. They're, they're close to going under the 300 level. I don't think they're going to challenge for worst ever, but, uh, man. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. 29 and 62, something like that, 315 winning percentage. It's been a rough season for the Orioles. The uh, worst record in MLB history uh, goes back to 1899. Ah, uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> uh, 20 wins, 134 losses, winning percentage of 130. I, I that don't would even be the know. Cleveland Spiders. How about Cleveland who? Cleveland Spiders. Love that team. Um, I think I still have a T-shirt. For if, you wanna, if you want to give yeah, me modern a record, day. In modern day. Uh, the Tigers in 2003 went 43 and 119. I do remember that team. Uh, 265. Yeah, I do remember that team. And I remember Justin Verlander. I'm hoping there was a guy named Mike Maroth. And I think Justin Verlander was on that team. I might be mistaken, but I do remember that team. And, and, uh, some of the pitchers for the Tigers yeah. that stuck with it, they lost a ton of games. And yeah. then they came back and saw the Tigers have some success, uh, a few yep. years later. Finished 47 games out. Ouch. What was 47. Their, what was their winning percentage? Their winning percentage was 265. All right. So the Orioles look like they're pretty safe. 29, unless they really collapse, because the Orioles are playing at 315. But uh, 29 wins, they'd have to win less than 14 14 games or less for the remainder of the season. I think the Detroit Tiger modern day losing streak, and I I, I should have picked that team off the top of my head, because who could forget that ball club? They were brutismal, but it's still very likable because they never gave up, kept on fighting. Other games are real quick as we got about wind up the show here. Cleveland beat Detroit. Speaking of the Tigers, rough uh, weekend for them. They get swept by the Cleveland Indians. So if you're a White Sox fan, thank you very much, Cleveland Indians. St. Louis Cardinals beat the Dodgers yesterday. They get a, a base hit by Matt Holliday in the bottom of the ninth, and they sweep the Dodgers four straight. So the Cardinals are back on track. They and the Reds and who knows? Maybe the Cubs will get in that race. Final game to mention, the Mets knock off San Francisco for 3 Ike Davis, base hit in the 10th inning to win a dramatic game for the Bra- uh, for the Mets. They blew a two-run lead against San Francisco early on. So that's your MLB recap uh, for the weekend. We'll be back at you tomorrow, the big dog and the coach. We really appreciate everybody listening today. David Olson, our producer, great job as per always. And uh, the Tour de France continues as they climb the Pyrenees. David Olson, I don't know if you've ever climbed the Pyrenees, but uh, that is a tough, the uphill climb on the bicycle. Brutal. You ever gone on a bicycle ride when you have to do the uphill? Yes, I, I don't, have. I don't think there's anything more cardiovascularly tired. It's amazing those bicyclists can do it. And we tomorrow will give you continued stage-to-stage coverage of the Tour de France. we got to sign off. Coach, wishing everybody a great day. Back tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.